Come on, let's give the Lord a praise this morning. Give the Lord a praise in this place. While you're celebrating the Lord, let's celebrate your pastor, Pastor Everett. Come on. You can do better than that. Mighty man of God praying for you, praying for your family, lifting you up in this time. Come on, let's celebrate your pastor. Raise the roof, Rock of Ages. Let your pastor know how loved he is. Come on. Come on. While you're standing, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your presence this morning. Use me, Lord. Somebody came here today on the very edge of life. Somebody came here today, Lord, on the very edge of a breakthrough, on the very edge of a breakdown, Lord. Use me, Lord, to be a blessing to somebody. Somebody just came here because somebody invited them. They didn't even know what they was coming to, Lord. Use me, Lord, to bless your people today in a supernatural way. I promise to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you are seated, let's, let's quickly jump to the word. I give honor and God to God. Let's go to Mark 11. I'm asking you to keep standing for the word. Mark 11 and 1. As Pastor mentioned, I do have a book. It's called Hardcore. I will be in the front uh, signing and, 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 and selling these books. It's about leadership. Everybody wants to be a leader, but nobody wants to serve. That's in church. That's at work. That's at home. Everybody proclaims they're a great leader, but nobody wants to serve. And if everybody is leaders and nobody's serving, then you have a bunch of uh, people who want to be in charge and nobody to fulfill the vision of the house. Anything you give your time, energies, and efforts to, you are a servant of it. But you don't want to proclaim it because we have looked at that title and that role and that, that word servant as a low thing. But Jesus was a servant. And he was the savior at the same time. So I'll be out in the back after service. Mark 11 and 1. When you have it, say amen. And when it came to, they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethpage and in Bethany at the Mount of Olives. He sent forth two of his disciples and said unto them, Go your way unto the village over against you. And as soon as you have entered into it, you shall find a coat tied, wherein to no man set. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord have need of him. And straightway, he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the coat tied by the door without in a place where two ways met. And they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, Why are ye loosing the coat? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they said, They let them go. And they brought the coat to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat on him. And many spread their garments in the way, and the others cut down branches off the tree and strode them in the way. And they that went before, and they that followed, crying, Hosanna, blessed is the coming in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David. 
that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Interesting scripture. We normally use it around Easter time. But I want to go back to verse 4. And they went their way and found the coat tied by the door without in a place where two ways met and they loosed him. The Lord has given me this assignment and I want you to pray with me. Hidden in plain sight. Hidden in plain sight. I'm from the old school, so I'm going to use a subtitle, Stuck on Purpose. Hidden in plain sight, stuck on purpose. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Results show that 80% of Americans see themselves as creatures of habit. And for you, for those of us who've ever uttered the phrase, same day, different story, or same story, different day, you can relate to more than two-thirds of Americans who say they feel trapped in a daily routine. A new study uh, says that uh, they, they surveyed 2,000 people, and more of them, 70% of them, said they felt like that their lives were just predictable. Yeah. I looked this thing up, and it said that the statistics are dismal. A recent study shows that 69% of people feel trapped in the same old routine. And only three out of ten people are happy in their lives. I'm going to say that again. Three out of ten people are happy in their lives while the rest feel stuck. Some are feeling stuck in their careers, feeling like they're, they have gone too far along one path to make a change. Some feel stuck in their personal lives, the toll of the daily grind sucks most of their time and energy, so their relationships, self-care, and personal goals get lost in the shuffle of a treadmill existence. When people come across these challenges of feeling stuck, the feeling sometimes doesn't go away. And it often insatisfies as time goes on. As the stuck feeling intensifies, some people choose to settle subconsciously, without even realizing it, they end up pushing their dreams and their goals further and further down. So, <clears throat> a few weeks ago, I, I called Pastor Everett and I said, hey man, I'm going to come to New Orleans and uh, take uh, my baby girl on a school visit. I want to thank God for my baby girl being with me this morning. <laughs> That's my baby. That's my baby. Same face, everything. Taking her to visit her school, getting ready to go to college. And I thought about what that's like to be her age again. 17 and 40. And the gap between the 40s and 17 seems really wide. 
until you start living it. And then you realize how small that gap really is and how quickly time goes by. How many of you can say this time last year, we were just in the beginning of the pandemic. So in the middle of it, it just hit. There was a lot of ambiguity, a lot of unknowns. And in the middle of it, you thought, this is the longest year ever you felt like that. Now, how many of you look back and say, 2020 shot by? And you feel like that about 2018 and 2019? The years just rolled by, and you wonder, where the, did this time go? I say that because I can remember being 17. Can't wait to turn 18. Can't wait to turn 19. And you just have this ideal of what life is going to be like. You got all these grand ideals, and you're, you know in your 20s, you know. You can't tell me. I know how life is going to turn out. I know. Oh, no. I know. And then, boom, life. Life. People walked away. They ain't going to never leave me. Bye. Friends, family, ride or die. Somebody died and got off the ride. I know how life is going to turn out. I know, child, I'm not going to be struggling. And then this thing called adulting hits you. And you get that first bill, and they just don't seem to stop. They don't know. Look, I need a break. I can't do this every month. Okay, give me a break. I don't come to you. But this thing called adulting keeps going. And I realized something. I was talking to a friend of mine who has a young son. And I was telling him, having now raised a soon-to-be 18-year-old and a 20-year-old, that, that you really don't understand adulthood until you really start raising kids. And you realize that you're really only raising kids for 18 years. After that, you're preparing adults. Because they're going to be adults. You're, you're an adult a lot longer than you were a kid. You're going you're to be an adult once you turn 18 for the rest of your life. So all of these dreams and goals and aspirations sound good, but you got to realize in a minute, life is going to happen. And I don't mean to sound gloom and doom, and, but the reality is everybody had these ideals of where you were going to go, what was going to happen. You knew how things were going to turn out. You knew who you were going to marry, and then you divorced. You knew you were going to have kids by this time, and you didn't. You knew you would move to this city, and you didn't. You knew you would quit this job, and now you've been there 10 years. You knew how life was going to happen, and then life happened. That's why I tell her, enjoy it. 
Because in a minute, you can't get that back. For all the young people, enjoy the splendor of going into the refrigerator and never having to pay a bill. And you just go in there and it's the buffet. Enjoy leaving the lights on and walking away from the room, never having to worry about the bill. Enjoy turning on the TV and it responding because there's power in the house. Enjoy that. Because in a minute, if you don't pay the bill, you can hit the remote all you want to. And it will just look at you with a blank stare. Like, you didn't take care of me, I ain't taking care of you. Stuck. Somewhere in life, you get stuck. Not all of us, but everybody has felt at one time stuck. Right here, going around in circles far longer than I thought. I'm stuck. I want to go further, but I'm stuck. Everybody around me has seen me. Everybody around me has saw me proclaim. Years ago, I won't be this, I won't be that. And now you got to go back. You got to kind of eat those words. Stuck. Funny thing about this particular scripture that the Lord gave me for this morning the book of Mark is known as the book that really tells the evangelistical life of Christ. He really is short and sweet to the point. He don't go into many uh, historical facts. He just want to make it straight and narrow. He want to get straight to the point. I, I like Mark because he likes to tell the story about Jesus and get straight to it. He don't like to beat around the bush. I don't like to, when I tell a story, I, I kind of like to get to the point. And if you tell me a story, I kind of like you to get to the point. Don't just, I tell you, you see that bush? Don't beat around it. Just go straight through it. Tell me the points. That just could be the man in me, but who am I? Mark is the uh, writer. His original name is John Mark. His mother's name was Mary, which was a common name in the time. She was a friend of the apostles. Mark is known as, uh, he was Barnabas' cousin. You remember Barnabas? He was who went with Paul on many missions. And uh, he and Paul were running mates in the gospel. And, and he and Paul, and they, they got ready to go on one of the first missions, and Mark would go with them. And Mark, like most young people, he got tired of it, and he, he went away. He said, okay, I'm going to let y'all go on the rest of the way, and he decided to return back home. Paul didn't like that very much, so Paul really shunned him for a while. And it was Barnabas who came back to Paul and really bridged that gap. And Paul eventually accepted Mark back into the fold and eventually would write and call uh, uh, Mark his son and a crusader of the gospel. Interesting because that gives me a lesson in grace. For anybody out there who you, you feel like it's time to cut somebody off, be careful of the grace that you extend to others. Because sooner or later, you're going to need that grace extended to you. Be careful of how you cut people off for, for reasons that, that you can identify within yourself, but, but you cut them off simply to show face to others, to show them how strong you are. But the same grace that, that you extend to others, you may end up needing for yourself. 
So you have to be careful. That's one of those lessons you learn along the way in life. Life teaches you that just because somebody made a mistake today doesn't mean that you have to kill them tomorrow. Sometimes you just extend them a little grace. Sometimes you just let people keep living. You'll find out. All those proclamations you made, I'm not saying they're wrong, but life will sometimes prove you that that's not exactly how that is supposed to be. That's not exactly what you're meant to do. So all of the proclamations and, and the uh, acclamations you're making right now, just hold on a little while longer. Just keep getting up every day. Sometimes life will change that for you. Mark was known as to get straight to the point. And in this particular story, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. This is called a triumphant entry. Days from the cross. Having just finished the feast of Passover. He questioned everything. Questioned everything. And he was upset. And he was, he had a lot of stress on him. There's two times that I really, I'm, this is a side note, away from the message. There's two times I, I say that you really learn who a person is. That's when they deal with power or they deal with stress. You find out who a person really is. You find out their real character. When they have a lot of power or they have a lot of stress or pressure. Because power in the hands of a fool is dangerous. Because you have this seemingly, this power you have the upper hand, and everybody who you can mistreat because you feel like you don't need them, you will. Only some, some of you and some of us have found out that later on you have to go back and apologize because that power superseded who you really were. And the second time is when somebody's under pressure. That's why people make deathbed confessions because they're under pressure and they're on their way out. Or somebody's under pressure and they're dealing with something so mind-boggling, so stressful that it's, it's pushing them to a breaking point. And so you, they, they say things out of who they really are because they're trying to deal with the pressure. So it's two times you really find out who a person really is. This particular story, Jesus, the triumphant entry in Jerusalem. He's about to enter into Jerusalem, and all of these stories have been out about Jesus healing the sick and raising the dead and heal, uh, feeding the 5,000 and healing the lepers. And so the, 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 the stories were out and people really wanted to see what this Jesus was about. So they were flocking and, 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 and they wanted to see was this reputation that superseded him really true. And they were, they were ready because all of the signs and the miracles and wonders he had did had pointed him as the Messiah. And they were ready to proclaim him as king. And so they wanted to run out and see this Jesus that everybody had been talking about. Can I tell you that, that your, your reputation supersedes you? Who you are. Or nowadays they call it your brand. It's your brand. Your brand tells me what to get when I get you. Your brand tells me what to expect when I get you. You say, I don't have a brand. Yes, you do. Because what do you got to ask sometimes your friends and sometimes your enemies, what do you see when you see me? Because that is your personal brand. What comes in the room when you come in the room? 
Does love come in the room? Does joy come in the room? Does a sense of peace come in the room? Does a sense of comfort come into the room? Does a helper come into the room? What do you see when you see me? Ask yourself that question and ask others around you. Like Jesus, who do men say that I am? Does, does lateness come in the room? Does somebody who, who knows how to tear up a house come in the room? Does disorder come in the room? Does chaos come in the room? See, this thing about adulting is that sometimes you have to ask yourself the tough questions. Sometimes the reason why we cannot go higher is because we're not willing to look in the mirror and ask ourselves the tough questions of who am I really? Do you enjoy the reflection that comes back to you? Am I giving my happy meter to somebody else? Because you will find out if you are, you are playing a dangerous game. Because you are putting your happiness in the hands of somebody else who will die, who will walk away, who will forget what they said, and now they have been able to control your happiness and you have never learned to control it from the inside. In other words, I'm happy all by myself. I am happy with me. I love you. I like you. But if you walk away, I'll be good without you. I am good by myself. I'm strong by myself. That's important for you to do. That's important for you to know. You have got to become the biggest and the number one fan and the president of your own fan club. Because if you do not, other people will walk up to you and tell you who you are. And you will believe it and you will digest it and you'll start living it based on somebody else's view of you. Good, bad, or indifferent. I love you. Thank you. The great thing about this story is because they are screaming Hosanna this week and crucify him the next week. And to all of that, Jesus just kept going. Can I tell some of you, you cannot make somebody else's opinion about you your nutrition because you will be malnourished. One week they'll scream Hosanna. The next week they'll scream crucify him. The same man, I didn't change. But if I allow you to identify me, then now I will be happy one day and sad the next day because I have given you all of my power. It's too much. You're too valuable for that. You're too valuable for that. God thought so much about you that he died. He sent his son to die for you. He thought so much about you that you thought you were just coming to church. But no, he wanted to make sure that you knew who you were this morning, that you stopped looking at yourself so low. Some of you, you look at yourself in the mirror to fix your clothes, to fix your hair, to brush your teeth, to fix your makeup. But you never look in your own eyes to see who's looking back. Because you are afraid of the reflection, my brother. You're afraid of the reflection that you see because you keep telling yourself, I'm okay. But the man looking back at you is saying, no, I'm not. And I'm going to talk to my brothers. Sometimes we as brothers, we feel so alone because we have to be men. And we got to be a man. 
And I can't tell you how I feel because I don't want you in my business. And I can't tell her how I feel because I got to be a man. And I can't show nobody how I feel because I'm a man. I got this. I got it. So I'm going to take another drink. I got it. So I'm going to smoke a little bit more. I got it. The whole time you're crumbling. The whole time the little boy inside of you is screaming, hey, I just needed somebody to touch me and say they love me. I just needed, I just really needed my daddy. I just really needed my mama. But you're a man. You're tough. I just need another brother to lock arms with me and tell me, dog, it'll be all right. Bro, it's fine. I'm with you. You good, man? And really mean it. But we got this facade we got to keep up. Because we're afraid. And while you're afraid and you're being that, that rock and that stone, that rock is being chipped away daily. And you're too afraid to say I'm hurt. You're too afraid to say that hurt. You're too afraid to say, no, nah, I'm not happy. I don't like it. I'm not okay. And that's how the enemy is getting you because he's making you feel like you're in isolation. But the reality is there are several jail cages in here. There are several prisoners in this room that you cannot see because they're not physical bars. They're mental bars. And there are so many inmates in this room that the correction officers can come and pick up and have a van full and a bus full. But you're too afraid to say it because it's not a real prison. So you can hide it easy. You can hide it and mask it. And you don't put on makeup like the ladies. But you put on your hat. You spray your cologne. And you do whatever you got to do. But on the inside, you're crushed. Let me tell you why you're so crushed. And I didn't even mean to go down this route. But the Lord had me to. You're crushed because what you expected didn't happen. What you expected to happen didn't happen and you are disappointed and you don't know how to say dang that hurt. That hurt. You got up the next day and said I'm alright. Shake it off. And you can't because like this coat <coughs> stuck. Stuck in one place. The funny thing about this, this particular scripture, I get back, is that Jesus couldn't just walk into Jerusalem because, I mean, he's the Messiah. And he couldn't come in on a, you know, you would think the Messiah would come in on this this grand chariot of white horses. You would think, you know, the pastor, he, this, this, this is Jesus, the Messiah, the coming king would come in and there would be trumpets blowing and he would come in and there would be this sound and, and all of these horses and all of this regalia. But he, he must fulfill the scripture where it says in, in Matthew 21, 4, say to the daughter of Zion, see your king coming to you gentle and riding on a donkey and a coat and the fowl of a donkey. 
There's nowhere else in the scripture where you see that, that, that this code is referred to. Look at this. Your God coming in as massive and mighty. He is the son of God. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. But look at how humble he is to ride in on a donkey. Can I tell some of you, you're too high-minded for God to use you. You think too much of yourself for God to use you. Think about it. The God of this universe, the God of the world, the God who is both in Africa and Australia and New York and New Zealand, all at the same time, at the bottom of the sea, at the top of heaven. He is right now speaking to you in New Orleans, right now speaking to somebody in Chicago, right now speaking to somebody in Dallas, all at the same time. And God chooses to use you. And your Messiah came in on a donkey. But you think so highly of yourself when it's the God of the universe choosing to use you as filthy as you are. The Bible says there's no good thing dwelleth in the flesh, but God chooses to use you. Knowing your past, your present, and your future. Knowing the things that you cannot talk about, you won't talk about, you cannot share. Knowing the things that you mask and that you lie about. He knows all of that, and yet and still, he chooses to use you. There is an honor in that. He chooses to use you. What an honor that God would choose to use me to do anything for him. He chooses to use me knowing the struggles that I had and are having. He chooses to use me. He chose me. He saw you and still chose you. He saw your family and still chose you. He chose you. How dare you be arrogant about somebody else just because you've been in it a little longer and you know how to perfect your mess. But God chooses to use you. How dare you look down at your nose at somebody else who they are just still, they're new to this. They're still trying to work out some things. Yeah, you've been in it longer. That just means that your mess is a little older. But God still chooses to use you. Oh, glory, he, he, it's the honor of being chosen. I'm a donkey, I'm a coat, in some translations they call it an ass. I'm a dumb thing, and God still chose to use me. I'm dirt, he picked this dirt up out the ground, and he chose to wash it, and he still chose to use me as filthy as I am, as dirty as I am, as unclean as I am, and he still chose to use me. That deserves 30 seconds of praise in this room, that God would choose to use you. I don't know about you, but I get excited. And I'm humble that you would choose to use me. I'm nothing. I'm a dog. I'm dirty. But still, you chose to wash me and clean me and use me. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to be up here. I don't deserve to speak to nobody. But still, you clean me up and said, I'm going to use you. And I'm going to show everybody that if I can use you, I can use anybody. Give God a third. Second praise. Come on. I'm getting ready to close in just a minute, but Pastor, all that's good. But now I'm really getting to the meat.
all that is good. But the thing that, that struck me about this is the Lord said, look at this from the coat's point of view. What do you mean the coat's point of view? He said in verse, verse 2, and said unto them, go your way unto the village against you. And as soon as you're in there, you will find a coat tied unto where no man has said, loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, why you do this? He said, tell him that the Lord have neither we in straightway. He will send him hither. And they went their way and found a coat tied by the door in a place where two ways met. And they loosed him. Can I tell somebody this Sunday morning, you felt stuck, you feel stuck, but even dying, you are on Jesus' mind. Holy. Even on his way to the cross, God has you on his mind. I want to tell somebody that God is a strategist, and he knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly when he's going to bring you out. He's such a strategist that you think you just happened to be somewhere. No, I came to tell you, you were planted. Oh, I'm going to say it again. You were planted. You weren't just placed there. You were planted. Shout out your address right now. No, shout out your address right now. That's where God planted you. I'm going to do it again. Shout out your address. I'm not trying to steal your identity. Shout out your address. That's where God is going to command a blessing. That's where God has you planted. God has you planted right there because he has, he has a strategy in mind. He has something specific he wants you to do, and he wants you to do it from that particular place. The funny thing about this is that before the donkey was born, he knew he would be right there. Before, can I tell somebody that he said in Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's belly, I knew you. That means before your great-grandmama made your great-granddaddy and they went out for coffee, he knew you would be right here today. God is such a strategist. He is a puppet master, some call him. He is setting everything in order. And to you, it looks like you just fell into this place. To you, it looks like you just happened to be here. But that's not the reality. The reality is you have been planted. You have been planted. God is such a strategist that he puts you right there, right where he wants you. God is such a strategist because, let me, let me show you this one last thing, and then I'm going to go. I'm, I'm getting excited. I'm about to close. We're about to go home, doctor. We're about to have some church. But there's one thing I wanted you to know. I wanted you to see. This man, Jesus said, go and find a coat where no one has sat on. And I wouldn't think it's strange except for the fact I looked up in the time of Jesus' life. They're estimated to be around four, three, three to four million people in Jerusalem at the time of Jesus. How is it possible that there was three to four million people in Jerusalem and nobody has sat on this coat before? How is it possible that you've been right here this whole time and nobody has sat on this coat before? Also, how is it possible that they don't even mention who tied the coat up? 
they don't even mention who brought the coat. So here this coat is, sitting at a door, sitting at an intersection, watching people move, watching people go about, watching people enjoy life, sitting there, tied up, sitting there, seeming like you see me, seeming there, sitting like somebody should sit on me, sitting there, watching life go by, sitting there, watching friends get married, sitting there, watching people start careers, sitting there, watching somebody start a job, sitting there, watching somebody open a business, sitting there, watching people open a church. How is it that I'm still sitting here, sitting there, watching people get married, sitting there, watching people go over, sitting there, watching people go overseas, sitting there watching people be happy. How is it that I'm still sitting here and no man has sat? I want to tell you, you have been hidden in plain sight. The devil thought he had you, but you have been hidden in plain sight. God has had you exactly where he wanted you. God has had you exactly where he wanted you to be. You have been sitting there in plain sight. The devil said nobody is going to want you. The devil said there's three million people in the city. Seem like somebody should want you by now. The devil said how can you be sitting here this long? You're getting older and older. You're getting older and your hair is getting gray. How is it that you're still in this situation. You've been at this job for 10 years, but seemingly you should be moved on by now. But the Lord said, I have had you hidden in plain sight. Everybody's been running around you, but nobody realized who you were. Everybody's been walking around you, but nobody realized who you were. Everybody's been underestimating you, but God said, I got you hidden in plain sight. I got you hidden for my glory. And when the time is right, when the time is right, when the time is right, I'm going to send my angels. I'm not sending disciples no more, but I'm going to send my angels. That's why I had to scream out your address, because I'm sending my angels to your address. Loose her and let her go. Loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. You can't have him no more. You can't have my son. Loose him and let him go. You can't have my daughter. Loose him and let him go. I wish I had a praising church. Because God is getting ready. God is getting ready. God is getting ready. God is getting ready to loose you. Loose your mind. Loose your money. Loose your marriage. I wish you would open up your mouth and praise him for the next 30 seconds. Get on your feet. Tell the devil not another day. Get on your feet. Today is your day. Today is your day. Today is your day. You've been loosed, loosed, loosed in your mind, loosed in your money, loosed in your family, loosed, loosed, loosed. Not another day tied up. Not another day in not another day. Loose, loose, loose. I dare you to receive it now. Receive it now. Receive it. You're being loose. You've been feeling stuck, but you were planted. You've been feeling stuck, but God planted you. 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 He planted you. 
in that family, in that home, in that job. Planet, 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 planet. That's one more point. That's one more point I got to bring up. This cult that felt stuck, felt like he was overlooked, felt like nobody appreciated him, felt like nobody valued him, felt like nobody saw him. This same cult can never be ignored in history again. This same cult is the cult that now his great-grandchildren can talk about my great-granddaddy was the one that, that Jesus rode in on. This same cult that nobody looked at, that everybody overlooked, is the same cult now that can say I am the man that Jesus rode in on. And I came to tell you that same person who feels overlooked, the same one who feels undervalued, Jesus is going to use you in such a way that it cannot be ignored. Your breakthrough cannot be ignored. God is about to do something in you that can never, ever be ignored again. And I dare you to praise him. I dare you to lift him up. I dare you to give him glory. I dare you to lift him up. I dare you to break through. I dare you. If you want it bad enough, he's here to loose you. If you want it bad enough, he's here to loose you. If you want it bad enough, he's here to loose you. I dare you to receive it. I dare you to receive it. Receive that as your word. Receive that as your word for your family. Receive that as a word for your job. Receive that as a word for your children. Receive it. Receive it now. It's yours. It's yours if you want it. It's yours today. Now. You are loosed. The chain, the chain, the chain, the chain, the chain, the chain is broken. Now, now.
Lord gave me this word for somebody. And I've been having it for months. This is for somebody this Sunday morning. And it's up to you to receive it. He sent the angels to loose you. But it's up to you to walk away. He sent you. He sent me here this morning to tell you. He is coming to get you. And today, he is breaking chains off of you. He is coming. And he's breaking chains. The Lord has sent me here as a reminder that you no longer have to be stuck. You've been feeling hidden, but he's breaking those chains off of your life today. Today. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is It's yours to receive it this morning. It's yours to receive it this morning. God is breaking down walls. you to lift your hands and receive that this morning. Receive it. To do what? Break it. Break it. Break it. Break it. Break it. Break it. He's about to break 
He's about to deliver. He's about to set free. God is breaking chains this morning. Sunday morning lift your hands and receive it if I didn't touch you the chain breaker touched you if I didn't touch you the chain breaker touched you God is doing something if you open up your spirit to God I know some of us we may not be used to it we may not know how to do it all you got to do if you open up your spirit he will come in if you open up your heart he will come in all you got to do is open up I know, I know sometimes we're afraid to do it because it shows a vulnerable part of us. But if you open up your spirit to God, God will come in. If you open up, 
he will come in and fill every void in your life. Fill every empty space in your life. Fill every empty room that you don't tell people in your heart right now. You got places in your heart you don't invite your friends in. You don't invite your family. You don't invite your spouse. But he said, if you open up to me this morning, I will fill it. I will fill it. I will fill it this morning. All you got to do is open up and receive it this morning. The chain breaker is here this morning. been freed this morning. Somebody's been liberated. Something you've been fighting for a while has just broke off of you this morning. You will never, never be the same. The Lord said if you preach this word, somebody will never be the same again. Your family not going to be the same. Your money not going to be the same. Your mind not going to be the same. Your spouse, somebody's getting a new husband, a new wife, a new sister, a new daughter, and I dare you for the next 30 seconds to give your God a victory praise now. Give it to him. I mean right now. Give it to him. For the next 30 seconds, I want you to praise God I don't know if that's a shout. I don't know if that's a leap. I don't know if that's a jump. But you got 30 seconds right now to give God a praise. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. You act like God ain't do nothing for you. You act like God ain't just you free. You are like God and set your family free. I dare you to thank God for the next 30 seconds like God just set your whole entire family free, free, free. Let them praise them by 
I love you, Rock Ages. I'll be in the back. <laughs>